0: Welcome to All of the Above, where we couldn't decide if we wanted to talk about books, sharing stories, philosophy of ministry, or theology, so we decided to do all of the above. My name is Aaron Markham. I am one of the pastors at the church at Greer Station. I'm excited to be on the podcast. It's my first time in a little bit. I love doing these podcasts, talking about random things, all the above, whatever we want to do um, for the sake of hopefully encouraging you uh, towards Christ. I'm joined today by one of my co-pastors, Trevor. Greetings. Trevor Hoffman. How are you doing? I'm
1: good, man. I'm not doing as well as your adoring fans who have been awaiting your triumphant return to the podcast.
0: But y- yeah, I know. Other than that, I'm doing pretty well. I've heard I have a very good podcast voice, so hopefully the, those few people that think that... Um, the adoring masses. I won't say any names. Each of those
1: adoring masses. That's right. People who make up the masses. Not. I'm not referring to any of you people individually as masses. That's...
0: All right, let me right. ask let me ask let me ask you a question to get this, Why get this, this back on track. because um, this has been going around the office a little bit. Trevor, when are you allowed to start listening to Christmas music? Today is October twelfth, that's when we're recording this. We're this is probably being put out on October nineteenth. When are you allowed to start listening to Christmas music?
1: I am a post Thanksgiving guy. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean it's it's all right to sneak it in here and there, but Generally speaking, I'm a post-Thanksgiving guy. Though, if we were speaking very strictly, uh, 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 strictly about the church calendar, technically Christmas Day is when Christmas festivities will begin, hmm. and then you celebrate it through the 12 days of Christmas. So, even in saying post-Thanksgiving, I'm still being very generous and very hmm. lenient with my standards. So, just let that be known.
0: Okay, I'm glad to know that. So that's <laughs> that's not to mention October 5th. I think last Tuesday we had a, or maybe maybe last Thursday we had a jam session of Christmas music in the office for. A couple of hours or an hour oh, yeah? of you listening to Christmas music. Oh,
1: it wasn't that long. It was just a little bit because I was doing some um, listening to songs for to pick out some songs for that. Oh, okay. our Advent okay. Christmas season. So Great. Well, I was enjoying it.
0: Casey and I have already started watching Christmas movies. I believe it. We're trying to be in the season. So I believe it. I love it. It's all good. No, no judgment here. Well, what we are doing today as part of all of the above is bringing back something that we have done before. We are calling this Pastors Talk Talkback. Um, where Trevor and I the, the goal is that we will do a pastor's talk back every month or so so this is going to be a podcast where um, we discuss questions discuss ideas discuss anything that comes out of our sermons uh, whatever sermon series we're in whatever you know passage we're, we've been talking about uh, we're gonna we're gonna come together hopefully we'll even be able to get some of the other pastors in here as well. To discuss, you know, the last four to six weeks of uh, sermon texts, anything that stood out, anything we couldn't hit, because there's, you know, we're we're delving in deep into the weeds week after week, trying to study these these passages and then trying to deliver them in a you know thirty thirty five forty minutes. And,
1: and something we say frequently is the hardest part about preaching is choosing what not to say. That's right. Like what's the what's the stuff going to leave on the cutting room floor? Mm-hmm. That's the most difficult part. And so mm-hmm. there's always plenty left in the cutting and there's room always floor.
0: such good stuff to say. And to even dive into, totally, and to make people aware of that will help them worship Jesus, help them know the Scripture better, um, help them just walk walk more effectively with the Lord. So we want to do that. We want to 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 bring that back. We did that kind of in the height of height of COVID, where our sermons were all online, and then people could watch them. And then right below that, they could type in some questions, and that was a great way to um, be able to to answer what what the questions that people had. So if you do have any questions. That, from, from the passages that we are, we are studying. If you are a member of the Church of Your Station, if you're a, a newcomer, um, even if you listen to our podcast, you know, pretty quickly you listen to the sermons on, on the podcast, would you please send them to us? So the best way that this is going to happen is if you are in our service and you have a bulletin, uh, we now have a prompt on the back underneath the sermon notes that says, do you have a question prompted by today's sermon? Every few weeks, our pastors devote an episode of, all, of our All of the Above podcast answering questions just like yours to submit your question. Scan the QR code. There's this beautiful QR code that Jonathan Frenchie Franklin whipped up. What and a wizard. Put, what a put right on this beautiful bulletin. You can just scan the QR code. I already did it. I already asked a question. Well, it worked beautifully. Um, and it worked perfectly. Or you can visit tcgrewstation.com. That's our main website. Slash pastors hyphen talk back, pastors hyphen talk back. So you'll be able to submit questions there. Maybe we can even get that on the all of the above um kind of link on the website that you can get to that pastors talk back. And it just pure the only box in there is for you to ask a question or you to make a a statement or a point um that, that you would like clarification on. And then we'll come together hopefully about once a week, you know, every six weeks, three weeks, four weeks, we'll try to get on here fairly regularly and talk about those those things. Does that seem right, Trevor? Yeah. As, As, As best we're able. As best we're able. As best we're able to talk. We, about we already issues. have. We have a topic for today, and we've already said we've got some good ideas, random ideas, things we want to say that we we may not land the plane right. very conclusively. Short and giving, on conclusions, a little ex, bit. Yeah, short on conclusions, but lots lots of things to to say. Well, today we're going to talk about um, the character of Judas. So we have been working through Matthew. I don't know for how long. I've been here for two years and we've gone through like three chapters of Matthew since I've been here. Um, we started in uh, the fall of 2017. Fall of 2017. With a series called Announcing the Kingdom, chapters one through four. Man, you yep. guys, it is incredible how Trevor knows dates, names of series, everything <laughs> like precisely to the day that has taken place in the history of the church at Groove Station. He can tell you every date we've moved because we've moved about 20 times. It's amazing. I like so, to think
1: of myself, you know, Sean McVay for the Los Angeles Rams. He can tell you these. They'll say, like, in 2017, you played the Detroit Lions, and it was a third third and one in the second quarter. What play did you call? Man, he's a football genius. He and just so, knows it. I'm just the Sean McVay. You're of, the Sean uh, McVay of, of the, of the Church of station. That's how I like to think of myself. I love
0: myself. it. I love it. So we're now in the concluding chapters, Matthew 26 through 28. We've entitled the series The Crucified King. It centers on Jesus ultimately being crucified. But then we have this interesting character, Judas, uh, who pops up in Matthew 26 and 27. Um, he is the one who ultimately betrays Jesus. Um, he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus predicts that this will happen in Matthew 26. Um, so he, he ultimately then does betray him. At the end of the chapter, he brings, um, you know, essentially the guards, the people to arrest Jesus, they, he, he gives him a kiss, he identifies him with a kiss, they um, take Jesus into custody, Jesus is then tried by the, um, the Jewish people and then taken to um, Pilate, and then in chapter 27, kind of sandwiched into this, this trial with Pilate, is um, Judas then kind of regretting, showing remorse of some kind, we'll talk a little bit about that, of um, what he has done, and um, he ultimately throws the 30 pieces of silver in the temple, which has allusions back to um, Jeremiah and um, Zechariah, and then um, Jesus, or then Judas hangs himself um, and, then he's, and then he's dead. So there's a lot of questions about who is Judas. He's one of the 12. He's one of the original mm-hmm. 12, one of the 12 disciples who walks closely. Peter, James, John, you know Matthew, all these great guys. Judas is one of the 12. So Trevor, initial just first question is: What do we make of Judas? What are what are some initial thoughts that you have about Judas, this complicated character?
1: Yeah. So my first thought, and I think I mentioned this a couple of Sundays ago when when teaching on um, the betrayal of the kiss in the garden, that the name Judas has kind of become like archetypal for betrayal, and even to talk about betraying someone with a kiss, which has its origins in you know the New Testament, has become uh just a stock phrase that we use and that we're we're familiar with. So, you know, Judas as a character and, and what he did to Jesus has taken on, you know, a very significant um it, it's, it's become very significant in Western culture. Um the thing about names like uh, Einstein is like kind of the archetype for being a genius or like Benedict Arnold, you know, kind of being mm-hmm. an archetype for mm-hmm. a betrayer. Judas Iscariot kinda has that negative connotation. Um, to refer to someone as, as a Judas, we, we sort of understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but in thinking about this, I mean, the, the first thought that I had about Judas, and really about Peter, and, and, and really, gosh, about every character in the Bible, is that the characters in the Scriptures are complicated. They're very complicated people. I think uh, that's, that's probably, we'd say, one of the strengths of the Bible is it, it presents its heroes as very complicated people. Heroes and villains are very complicated. I heard someone recently make the point that we're actually never told in the scriptures what to make of Solomon. Yes, we're told that he's wise, uh, but you know he ends up choosing uh, idolatry and, and foreign women, and that becomes his downfall, and his legacy is kind of unclear for us, like how we'd actually think about Solomon. And I think about Judas kind of along um, a similar vein, like his, he's a complicated character, um, and it's not entirely clear what we're to make of his legacy. I mean, I think we can probably, you know, hazard some guesses based on some evidence, you know, w- within the text. But, but ultimately, I think it reminds me that yeah, scripture is full of very conflicted real people. The Bible is not a flat book. It's not um, uh, the characters aren't one dimensional. Uh, you know, it's it's rich and it's layered and it can be difficult sometimes.
0: That is really really helpful because I even think like every time I go back, you know decide to do a bible in a year plan or whatever and you start in genesis and you just get into genesis and you start reading about these guys and it's like noah abraham isaac jacob and literally i'm like should the theme of genesis just be like how wretched and terrible Mm. these great forefathers of the faith are um these guys who you know give over their wives so that they're not Mm. killed who commit idolatry who do all sorts of Bad things in the scriptures—they're yep. j- they're complicated. It gets off the ark and gets completely hammered. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think it's it's really helpful to um, show that the, the the characters in the Bible are complicated. Mm. Um, their walks are complicated. They're um, they're all sinful. Um, every mm. single one of them, down to you know Paul. Um, they're. Um, yeah, they're complicated, so I, I, I think that's really helpful. I think I think you could say, like, in a real sort of way, yeah, you
1: know, you, you could nuance this, and it'd be important to nuance this, but you could almost say in a very real sort of way that there's two types of people according to the Bible. There's bad guys and Jesus.
0: Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. That's right.
1: Um, and I, I mean, I think that's, again, kind of a testament to the uh, legitimacy of the Scriptures, is is the fact that it doesn't shy away from the ugliness of human life. mm that's so good. That's I'd say, so. you know, one other thing. This is not original to me, but a commentator pointed this out. And I, think, I think there's something to this. Is, is he, you know, the name Judas is the Greek transliteration of the name Judah, the Hebrew name Judah. Um, of course, one of the places that we see um, some similarities between Judas and Judah is Judah is the one, the, the brother of Joseph, who suggests that he be sold into slavery, and he sells them for 20 pieces of silver. So there's, there's definitely intended to be some resonance there. But what the commentator pointed out, and I thought this was brilliant, is, you know, Israel's destroyed, and uh, Judah is the kingdom that remains, the kingdom of Judah. It comes from the tribe of Judah. And he suggested that we're to read Judas, or Judah, as a kind of personification of the nation of Israel's rejection of their Messiah, hmm. uh, uh, being up close and seeing him, uh, being intimate with him, um, but ultimately choosing uh, to do away with him. Hmm. Um, and you could press that really far, and I think you could probably press that too hard. I, it'd be wrong for us to conclude that, and I don't think the commentator is suggesting that um, you know the the Jewish nation is evil or um, you know we we shouldn't be anti-Semitic and we we can't we can't sort of overstate that case. But but I think there is something there about Judas kind of being a portrait of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, the people of Israel, having Christ there, but rejecting him. Mm. Um, I think there might be something to that. I, mm. I think that there's a when you have those kind of resonances and and kind of things that that trigger certain things in your mind that remind you of other parts of Scripture, I think we should usually pay attention to that. And and I think that you know again there could be something there.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean I think about even you know Jesus calling. Just some of my initial thoughts: Jesus calling Judas' friend when they when they mm. meet each other in in the passage that uh, you preached on in chapter twenty six, the betrayal of of Jesus. Um, the word "kiss" is used two different times. Um, I forget the exact um, verses that it's used in, but the first time it's used, it's kind of used of a friend. The second kiss, when Judas actually kisses Jesus, like it's it's a more intimate, um, like showing like a closeness, um, and it, it's just a very interesting mix of like what what is going on in Judas. It's like I'm I'm betraying him. I'm taking this money, um, but then I still have this kind of deep connection with this person, assuming mm. he's been walking with Jesus for you know, mm. three years. Mm. Um,
1: and I think we're also, I mean, I think it's very clear we're intended to see a contrast between the woman who anoints Jesus, mm. who takes this priceless perfu- perfume and, you know, lavishes it upon Christ. At the
0: beginning of chapter 26.
1: Chapter 26, it opens with Jesus saying, soon I'm going to be delivered over and handed up to be crucified. The very next story that we get there is... It sort of is a flashback, but it tells us about when this woman on Palm Sunday—I um, believe it's on Palm Sunday—but it's somewhere around there. It is a flashback who anoints Jesus, and then right after that, right after that story, we're told that Judas conspires with religious leaders to sell Jesus for thirty pieces of silver, which is like a few days' wages. Hmm. And so, I think the the significance of money there, as it you know relates to Jesus, is important, and it tells us something about Judas um, and what he he thought of Christ.
0: Yeah, that's good. So my my kind of like hard question to to get at is Judas in heaven. Mm. Is Judas with Jesus? Mm. What are your what are your initial thoughts there?
1: So I'd say my initial thought is no. Um but I th- that is not a hill that I'm willing to die on. I'm very I'm very willing to uh to be proven wrong on that. I mean the thing that I think about is in chapter 26, 24, when Jesus at the Lord's Supper says, woe to you, or, or woe to the one who betrays the son yeah. of man. Uh, you know, elsewhere, the woes are famously used in chapter 23. Yeah. Uh, when, he, when he says, woe to the Pharisees and scribes, uh, he says, in fact, that it's better for him not to have been born, mm.
0: um, which is a pretty strong statement. It seems like there's <sighs> going to be strong judgment upon Judas Yeah, if, if it would have been better for him to not have been born, based on uh, Matthew twenty six twenty four.
1: Yeah, I think I think, but but you know, I think we could probably hold that loosely because mm. the scripture doesn't speak really strongly, you know, about that. Mm. Um, but the other thing, the other the other piece to me about that question that's complicated is is even if even if Judas is unequivocally a bad guy, even if he is in hell, you know, and if Judas is clearly evil, um, what are we to make of the fact that Judas was crucial? in the betrayal of Jesus, which led to Jesus's crucifixion, which leads to our salvation. Mm-hmm. Should we be thankful for Judas mm-hmm. in kind of a roundabout sort of way? Like, mm. can we say he's like, he's an evil character, but we're thankful for his evil? Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's a tricky question. That for is me. very, very tricky. What do you think? Yeah. You're the host, but I'm not, I'm not supposed to be asking questions. No,
0: that's right. good. Well, I'm, I have a few, a few thoughts right now. And, you know, it's, it's also complicated. Judas betrays Jesus and then Judas commits suicide. Yeah. Presume, you know, kind of suicide esque, um, hangs himself in this, in this presumably in this field of blood. Um, and so there's this big question, you know, what, how, what do we make of suicide? Mm. What does that do to Judas? What does that do to, to anyone? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that, that, you know his suicide in and of itself would separate him right you know necessarily totally. from from jesus um I don't know if that would be an uh an appropriate conclusion from from the scripture and you and you probably don't want to build too much you don't want to build your
1: uh, you know, the Christian's response to suicide based off of this based off particular of passage. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. Or it, it, it could inform it, but it should be one scripture of, of yeah, many, many, yeah, yeah. many um, others because there's not much commentary on, like, what actually happens, what takes place, what's the kind of spiritual ramifications, what state of mind. You know, cl- clearly Judas is kind of—something is going on in him. He's showing some kind of remorse, some kind of pain. He's throwing the coins in the temple. Um but yes, I, I do think um that Judas is uh uh a man that it's almost like I feel it's like I'm grateful for for him yeah. um because uh he's created the opportunity for for Jesus to for the, the scriptures to be fulfilled. That's done over and over again in chapter twenty six and chapter twenty seven. Mm. Almost kind of feel bad mm. for him. Like yeah. he's the one in many ways that, that God has chosen to f- fulfill, you know, this, this in, endeavor. I um, mean, obviously he's, he's chosen of his own totally. volition as well to make, to make choices. Um, but without him, we would not um, have the conclusion of, of the crucified king. You know, necessarily it could happen in a, any number of ways, but Judas was the one for it to, to take place with. Um,
1: yeah, uh, again, this comes from one of the commentators that, that I've been reading. Um, Matthew twenty six twenty four. he says, The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, right? So as you've mentioned, there's this prophetic piece there that what's happening here is in the fullness of time, according to God's purposes. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. And so you have, the commentator said, you have in this passage a clear recognition of the cooperation of Divine sovereignty and human responsibility that if God ordains the ends he also ordains the means um, while at the same time you know uh, there there's no uh, moral culpability on God for the evil that Judas commits mm-hmm. that, that Judas has chosen this mm-hmm. and that he is uh, he has the 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 will and the responsibility to choose the evil action that he's done but you, you zoom out and sort of get above the clouds you see that this was a part of the process that God had, had ordained from from the get-go. Mm. Um, wow. And and that even Jesus in saying this doesn't see any conflict between both divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Mm. That's so good. I think of the... You're probably tired of hearing me say this, but it's like the... Who killed Cedric Diggory in book four of um, Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. What's that book one? What's that called? Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. Um, is it Voldemort or J.K. Rowling? Mm. And it's like... Clearly, Voldemort does, um, and Voldemort is evil unequivocally. But in another way, I mean, J.K. Rowling's behind it. But we we understand that there's a very different, like causality is is like layered. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just mm-hmm. it's just different for mm-hmm. Rowling than it is for Voldemort, right? That's right? So, in the same way, I mean, we can kind of think about how God, the author of everything, relates to our activities. And in this instance, you know, Judas's activity, like he's the he chooses this. Um, but God is the author who's behind it and orchestrating it and, that, it and has right. planned to do so from the beginning
0: that's right and so he, he betrays Jesus the one who is in full, full control who knows he's going to be betrayed yeah. who could have stopped the betrayal you know presumably has the power to do really whatever yep. um, he, he would so choose and yet this is what needed to take take place to fulfill yep. one last question uh, before we close out today how does, how does Peter compare with Judas? Language we've used of Peter throughout Matthew is a disciple on the way. Peter seems to get it wrong over and over again throughout Matthew. And then he gets it really big, you know, a big wrong uh, when he denies Jesus, presumably. And then he's just kind of nowhere to be found. But then he shows up on the scene, um, you know, especially in Acts 2 after Jesus is resurrected. And Peter becomes kind of the, the pinnacle of the... The church in Jerusalem gives, gives you know amazing sermons. People come to faith. So what, what, how do we kind of compare Peter and Judas?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Peter's denial of Jesus is legendary. Uh, his three denials before the rooster crows. And even in John's Gospel, it tells us that Peter's the one who takes up the sword, to, who cuts off the, uh, the Roman soldier's mm-hmm. ear. And in Matthew's Gospel, I think that event is portrayed as its own kind of denial or, or betrayal. That's even, I think overshadows a little bit the betrayal by the kiss. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference, in some ways, I've been trying to figure out how to say this, but in some ways the difference is like Peter just, Peter, he stuck around. It mm-hmm. was like he, mm-hmm. um, again, you, you, not to make too much of, of things that the Scriptures don't tell us, but it's almost as if um, Judas is overcome by a grief that's even hard to fathom, um, this crushing guilt and he's, he finds himself despairing, and it stops there. Whereas, you know, maybe the difference between what we see happening in Peter, you know, Peter, Peter also begins weeping bitterly at the end of chapter 26 when he realizes what's taking place. Um, but he returns to Christ. He, 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 he sticks around and, and, you know, waits to see what, what God does through these events. Mm. Um, and so there's this... Maybe it's a really slight, maybe a little subtle difference, but it's like Peter... Peter is is grieving and he's he waits around to see what happens to Jesus, mm, mm. Uh, whereas Judas just sort of succumbs to the guilt. Does wow. that make sense?
0: It does. It does. There, you. I've heard you use the phrase of like a kind of stick to itness or something. I don't yeah, know. You yeah. you make up words really well and they sound better <laughs> when you say. I that. didn't make that one up, but um, it's a good one. But Peter Peter endure, endures. He perseveres. Um, he struggles. He sins, um, but he continually. Kind of comes back to Jesus, comes back to Jesus, and Judas, for lack of a better way to maybe say it, just kind of gives in, mm. Um, mm. and then it's all it's all done. Mm. Um, it's all it's all done for him. But it's interesting thing: Peter denies Jesus, Judas betrays Jesus. You know, they seem kind of on equal playing fields. Both of the events were predicted by Jesus, um, but then Judas obviously ultimately hangs himself, and Peter becomes mm. pinnacle. You know, vital in in acts the rock i mean yeah peter's confession and, and even in some ways peter himself is the rock upon which the early church is built that's right matthew 16 yep. is that right matthew yep. 16 or 18. um and yeah so peter peter we- weeps bitterly he seems to show true repentance there's action that follows mm. his weeping um even in luke 22 it talks about that uh, satan asked permission for for peter but jesus prays for peter's faith so jesus even is vital in Peter, hmm. enduring hmm. Um, to the end, and then obviously he, he strengthens the disciples uh, throughout Acts.
1: And one last thing to point out, it, some, some have made note of this, but in 27 verse 3 when it says Judas changed his mind, the word that's used, used there is not the word that's typically associated with repentance. Did you read about this? You're, you're nodding. Yeah, word, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I did. Um, Metamilomai, or however you pronounce it, uh, is the word that's used there instead of uh, metanoe, um, I apologize for brutalizing that. Um, But some have made the point that because of Matthew's choice of word there, that it's likely that we're intended to see kind of what you see Paul later describing as worldly sorrow versus Mm. like true repentance. That's right. Um, And so there could be something to that.
0: That's Um, right. They clearly show, they clearly respond differently. Yeah. Um, Even though maybe even some of the actions like kind of remorse and weeping bitterly, like we could kind of use all the same words, but I think, yeah, in, in, the The Greek, uh, it shows that there's clearly a difference in their, yeah. their response. That's really helpful. Well, Trevor, any, any final thoughts before we close out today?
1: Yeah, I mean, real, real quick, I'd say like pastorally thinking about you know if there's any lessons for us in this, um, I, I do think that there is something to be said about our suffering. That if God could take Judas's betrayal and invert it, uh, the, the worst sin and invert it for the greatest good that the world has ever known, I think that that does help us. And our suffering, as difficult as it might be, and as, as short as answers might be to why we're suffering, we can at least hope in the fact that God has it. It's like within the realm of His ability to turn that for our good, mm. as Paul says in Romans 8 28, uh, 28. So I'd say, like, that's one thing we can take away from the Judas story. Um, I'd say another thing we can take away from the Judas story, contrasting with Peter, is like, repentance and just like return to Christ. It's like no matter no matter how um, how bad things get for us, no matter what we've done,
0: we can always return to Christ and He will always receive us. Wow. Yeah, I think that's the encouragement we need because how easy is it to kind of get in a funk mm. that just is a week, turns into two weeks, turns into a month, turns into whatever, six mm. months and a year of just not walking intimately with the Lord because we're um you know, hesitant to re- return to church, hesitant to return to community, hesitant to just be honest with the Lord and yeah. sit in our prayer closet and and really be brutally honest with our hearts. Yeah, um, But you can do it, and Jesus is there mm. to, to offer grace. He does it to Peter over and over and over again. Go read the gospel of Matthew, and Peter just drops the ball over and over and over again, and yet yeah, Jesus is there to, to offer grace. I think Richard Baxter said, we, Jesus
1: is more willing to give us forgiveness than we are willing to go ask for it. Wow. Um, that's good stuff.
0: That's good. Well, let's ask for forgiveness. Let's return to Jesus. Thank you guys for uh, tuning into this Pastor's Talkback, this episode of our All of the Above podcast. If you do have a question about any of our future sermons, would love for you to scan the QR code on your bulletin and or uh, go to tcgrewstation.com slash packed pastors hyphen talkback. tcgrewstation.com pastors talkback hyphen talk back look forward to talking with you guys again soon